to the Run GMC podcast. Today, I am joined by none other than Austin Alvarez. Me and him, I've gone back all the way to middle school. Um, we recently just started a podcast, uh, the the Lukewarm Cinema podcast. I've told you guys a little bit about it on my show already. But um, Austin, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm really happy you decided to let me finally come on the show. I've been asking you for like a week, like, yo, man. Let me get on the show. I know you're busy. It's okay. I know. I know. And it's because I wanted to make sure it was, all the, the stars were aligned just perfectly. I don't, oh, I yeah. don't, I didn't want to bring you on when I wasn't on my A game. <laughs> but anyways, what have you done today? Uh, worked. And then uh, I, I had like Chick-fil-A twice today. I don't know if that really? makes you big. Yeah. What's the go-to at Chick-fil-A for you? Dude, number one with American cheese, dude. Number one's just a sandwich, right? Yeah, just a sandwich. Not the deluxe. I don't, I don't like all that. The extra the stuff lettuce on there. and the tomato? Yeah, no, no, no. no. There's chicken sandwiches are bomb. It's great. But this morning I had like the, the, the Chick-fil-A biscuit mm-hmm. with the hash browns. I don't, oh, dude, the hash brown, like little sides, gold, just gold. I, oh, I, I don't think I've ever had Chick-fil-A for breakfast. I haven't um, until like recently, like I want to say a few months ago. I love their French fries though. So if their hash browns are anything like their French fries. The hash browns are definitely better than their French fries. Ooh. It's funny. We, I, I talk about this all the time. Like if I have to rank like fries, like Jack in the Box is going to be number one. Oh my, I had Jack in the Box two nights ago. Horrible time. I will tell you about it after this, but or rank them. Let's go Jack in the Box. So Jack in the Box. And then you got to do, I, I would say like McDonald's. McDonald's. And then uh, probably like, nah, not Wiener Schnitzel because Wiener Schnitzels are just like oh, little noodles. Yeah, I know, but they're really good. <sighs> Underrated. They're, they're good if you're drunk. Sure. But all fries are good. If but you're like uh, Canes and Chick-fil-A, like lowest oh. ranking fries for me. Really? Yeah. Lowest ranking. So the thing I love about Chick-fil-A fries is because it's they're the perfect dipping fry. Like when I'm able like I'm able to to take the entire fry and just dunk it in there and get all the well, yeah. nooks and crannies. Oh, I forgot to text my parents. You mind handing my phone? <laughs> That's beautiful. Oh, hey, this is a reminder to everyone. You know, if you haven't talked to your parents in a while, call them right now. All right. <laughs> Look, I'll text Fernando. Oh, I already talked to Fernando today and Gail. Lovely couple. I'm going to turn it off for you. Okay, back to the French fries. Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A. Um, I would say, like, if I was going to do top five. They're number five, one for me. I, I, I know they're your, your lowest, but. If I was going to do top five, I would have to do, for sure, Jack in the Box at the top. Uh, for, like, and just by themselves. Dunking, I would have to say, like, even still, like, with Red Hot, Jack in the Box fries are up there still. They're still up there. Buffalo, the Buffalo sauce. <sighs> See, yes. it's good too. Yes. But like, it's, it's up there, but like, just by themselves. I would say like Jack in the Box, McDonald's, Wendy's, Cane, or uh, Chick-fil-A Canes. Canes is like my least favorite. Yeah. I, By themselves. I can get, because the worst thing about Canes fries too is if you are, get them from the drive-thru and you drive, it doesn't matter how far away you oh, live. instantly just soggy. soggy. Soggy AF. You have to crack open the styrofoam thing immediately. If you break the seal just to make sure you keep them nice and toasty. Seriously. It, but and then if they do come home soggy and you have an air fryer, people that have an air fryer, use the GD air fryer. air fryer. They're the lifesavers. Like any they're the best way to reheat food. I mean, pizza is better uh, pizza's better in a pe- and like one of those toaster ovens. Yeah, the, the, you can't beat the toaster oven with like pizza, pizza bagels, like any any like bread where you need it like that crunchiness on the yeah. bread, you need toast. to go the with the 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 the, pe- the toaster oven. Yeah, but when it comes to the air fryers, 
French fries. What else have I done in there? Chicken fingers. Oh, mm. chicken fingers. Where's oh, okay, okay. So we said Chick-fil-A. You had it twice today. Yeah. What's your favorite sauce? Because Chick-fil-A, it their sauce from is from Chick-fil-A? Yes. Oh, all I ever get is just Chick-fil-A sauce. I've had I've had everything else. It's good, mm-hmm. but Chick-fil-A sauce just does it for me. Have you okay, have you had the how do you feel about Polynesian? It was good. Like I would I would say if I didn't have any Chick-fil-A sauce, I would definitely do that over ranch any day. Mm. Definitely over ranch. Yes. Definitely. But yes. yeah, yeah. Um Chick-fil-A sauce all the way. Did you know that you can buy the sauces in the big tubs? No, I didn't, but now I'm gonna go bankrupt because it's three, all there. I think they're they're either two fifty or three dollars, and you get a a literal uh tub of the sauce. And they're it's not on the menu. Yeah, I had to ask for it at a special time, but they've always had them where it's like I it's get it like that thick sauce. like animal and, fries. Yeah, but they last they last forever too. You get to take them home and then you could put them on a whole bunch of different Chick-fil-A sauces. See, it's I had a wonderful. friend in high school who for Thanksgiving when you went and bought out like a gallon of cane sauce. And it was just like drenching everything at Thanksgiving with it. And I was like, that sounds like diabetes, but like in the best way possible. I, uh, I'm not a fan of, uh, like too much cane sauce. Like I like yeah. it in the moment, but then like it overwhelms me. It, I, I feel the exact same way. It can be like extremely overwhelming. And you're like, man, why did I eat this much? You're like sitting there just like, oh, I'm going to go die. I don't want this. It is my favorite. Fried chicken is my favorite food. I came to that conclusion like at the end of last year. I, I was really like, I like every, I, I don't hate food at all. And when it comes to it, I try anything, but I love chicken wings. I love chicken fingers. I love boneless fingers. Any, any sort of chicken that you bread and fry, sign me up. Popeye's chicken sandwich, best chicken sandwich. It's out right now. I don't know if you've ever had that one. I had like, I think I've had one. No, I haven't had one yet, but I, so my dad had one. That's how I knew like, it's a good, and he was like, uh, it wasn't worth the goddamn yeah. hype that these people, people getting were shot and <laughs> people getting shot literally like the lines at Popeye's for oh, they're still two weeks. super long. Well, it's no because Popeye's has a lot of people that are incapable rejects behind the, the grease fires, but <laughs> like that's why they take forever. <laughs> okay, so that leads me into this horrible jack in the box situation. So all these places that I've gone to since the coronavirus started, they, they've all been like, you know, no cash, only card. Well, Jack in the Box, the last time I went to it, said no card, only cash. Like, I guess their card reader machine Dang. was broken. So we're in the we're in the drive through and we kind of like got stuck in between cars. Because so like, you're like, I don't have any cash. Damn. Yeah, we don't have any cash. You're stuck there for at least a good 10, 15 minutes. But it was one of those Jack in the Boxes that were tied to the convenience store. So Cameron goes oh. out, goes to the ATM. She gets the cash room because we were we were like committed at that point. We got to get Jack in the Box. You're, you're already in the line. You got to do it. Of course. So then we we wait our turn in line, drive out, and then come back in, like stoked to order and everything. We order our munchy meals. I get the spicy nacho chicken. I think she got the stack grilled cheeseburger. And oh my God, it took, I think we were in line for 25 minutes and we were the first car there. We're the only car in line. 25 minutes for a for two munchy meals. And what else do we get? We got um the popcorn chicken. I don't know if you've been seeing yeah, them advertised. Yeah, uh-huh. It was quite possibly the worst Jack in the Box I've ever had. <laughs> the lady who took our uh, who took my card had green eyeshadow, bright green eyeshadow, red hair, and red eyebrows, but like sharp, like me. Remember in the Wii when you used to create your me? Yeah, dude. Like one of those sharp, like dude. She was just picking back being bull, dude. Just let her do her thing. I, yeah, no, no, no. Trust <laughs> me. I. But if her thing is. 
taken 25 minutes to cook a goddamn munchie meal, I'll pass. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, I also got tropical smoothie today because I had to go pick up, you know, Vanessa from mom's house. And my mom was like, yo, I want tropical smoothie. Here's my card. Just get what you want. Every single time I've been in there, I, it's been at least 20 minutes. And the way I could tell is one time I had the radio on and like a tool song came on and they're notorious for being just stupid long. And I was like, oh, tool song's over and we're still in the same spot. Two more tool songs come on and we're, we moved up like two spaces. And I was like, oh my God, we're taking forever. And today, no, no exception. Uh, one time we went there and they were like, uh, yeah, our register is down. So if you want to order, you got to order through the app and then you can just pick up at the window. Oh my God. So we were like, okay. And we did it and it worked fine, but it was like, okay. It's those weird situations sometimes. Like I can only imagine because when you're a fast food worker, like I worked at Panera Bread for three months, I believe. And it really like gave me insight as to how just poorly put together fast food restaurants are because the turnover rate's crazy. You have new people coming in every two weeks because everyone's coming in. And if they aren't getting fired, they quit because they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. So it's just like this hodgepodge of just 40 year old people that have just been cycling through fast food jobs. You got young people that are in college. You got people that are like in their mid 20s that are like, trying to figure it out and then shit like that happens where it's like now they have to be the bear of bad news to the hundreds of people that come in all the karens who just don't care about their feelings i want my food now and i'm literally i'm like you got to understand what's going on back here ma'am john he's on his second day jeff back there has been smoking cigarettes in the in the in the by the dumpsters for the last 20 minutes uh we are struggling right now (laughs) Karen, I'm 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 personally on day three of training and I'm already not even being trained anymore. See, I'm I, doing training. I feel grateful because I never I never worked fast food. I did work minimum wage jobs like I did. I did have to struggle and stuff like that. But like I never worked fast food and I feel like, I guess, privileged in a way that I never had to work fast food because I had, had friends that were like, dude, it's terrible. I hate it. It's a spe- it takes a I mean, if you do it for a long time, like it becomes like you get in the rhythm of it. Yeah. But like as a, I was 18 at the time, first job ever, you know, first job at 18. (sighs) Yeah. You were too busy being a star athlete. Well, thank you. Well, my parents (laughs) never let me dude. like my parents were like, they were like, you focus on school and sports. And I'm blessed that I had that opportunity. Well, it worked out. Mm -hmm. It definitely did. I mean, it taught me the values that I needed to go in and not fail in any workplace. Like they instilled in me, you know, what sports does is. You learn that hard work. You learn how to how to be somewhat disciplined when you need to. Like I'm a pretty undisciplined person. <laughs> when it comes to like like going to the gym and stuff, I'll go two three weeks and I'm like, oh, I'm fine. Oh, See, God. sports also teaches you how to wrestle on bruised ribs, like I had to. So oh, it teaches you God. how to just learn that people just don't care how you feel. Be a tough ass son of a bitch. <laughs> be like what, coach, I can't breathe. He's like, that's what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> that's where the change happens, son. <laughs> Remember, I did I did ROTC in high school, and we're doing like for for PT, which we did one day a week. We did soccer, so we're playing soccer, and I got hit straight in the nads. I was like, I was like, Master Sergeant, can I sit out? He's like, You know how many times I was out in a war zone, and I got hit in the nads, and I kept fighting. I'm like, Okay, but okay, (laughs) this is high school (laughs) class soccer. This isn't even like competitive soccer. Can I just go sit and breathe for 20 seconds? How intense did though? Because that was an ROTC, right? Yeah. How intense did sports and ROTC get? Because those games, like the, when I would see kids in high school, 
when ROTC playing like those flag football games or like you said soccer, shit seemed intense. We had something called Snatch the Bacon, which is it was basically like like Red Rover. You had two lines, but you had a tied up like shirt or towel in the middle, and you had to run. They would count. They would number you, like one through like however many people were in your line, and then they would like had a command like whatever student that would be like all evens and then all the evens just start running out there and you'd have to get it to your side without getting touched now you could like just cherry pick it and throw it to somebody and they could just start running Mm -hmm. but uh the the few of us that were athletes always were just like because not to be mean but you always got the kids that were like i'm doing this to skip pe and then day one of pt they're like we're doing 500 push-ups get ready those kids what idiots like yeah, let me let me not do PE. Let me just join the military. Yeah, literally, because we junior had, we military, had, we had uniforms. You had to keep dry clean, and you had to keep everything squared away. There was measurements you had to follow. There was like it, one of the best classes I ever took. And the people that are like scared of it, that walk in scared. Like I was scared like my first day for like five minutes, and then afterwards, like oh, this isn't that bad. It's not. It's nothing like the military. Like those dudes that kiss their girlfriends, like they're about to go to Afghanistan. Nothing. Well, those, that's real life. Like yeah, yeah. you're going to second period. You're going to second period, <laughs> literally. Like I remember, I had one that was second period, and kids would walk in, and they'd be like, "I'm coming into a war zone." I'm like, dude, I'm gonna go play like COD after this. What are you talking about? <laughs> that's more of a war zone than what we're about to experience here. Yeah, but the the games because like. We wouldn't we wouldn't play sports a lot. We would do physical fitness. We would do okay. We're going to get in shape. We're going to learn how to do push ups because there are people that like didn't know how to do a push up straight up. And you're like, did you not learn any? Because I know we did. We do them in PE in middle school. Yeah, but the amount that it's oh, gone down. I feel definitely oh, over the and years. ROTC the the amount went down. Like from my freshman year to my junior year, which is the last year I was in, the amount of like discipline that they instilled in you. And like the amount of physical fitness, and everything. Oh, dropped from it. I'm pretty sure they got in trouble for something because some kid was like, "I can't handle it, my asthma." <laughs> shout out to all the people that have asthma, and shout out to all the people that have asthma but really don't have fucking asthma. Your parents just told me you yeah, had asthma yeah. when you were two years old, and you've just been believing it because you're a fat shit, and every time you run, <laughs> <laughs> that's me now. That's me now, dude. I go up a flight of stairs, and I'm like, whew, whew, "All right, I'm, I'm." Is this my asthma? <laughs> Is this my asthma? I was told about, but. Uh, sports and ROTC though was like you had all the kids that were like yeah I'm gonna be like Kobe and then they would shoot like Shaq and you're like I don't know if you if you have Kobe material buddy I don't even know if you have Shaq material you're like five foot four go yeah, they'd be they'd be lucky as fuck to have Shaq material you have Jerome material he lives on the on the side of the corner and he plays basketball at the local park and that's as park far as 13 year olds because he knows he can he cross them oh but then sometimes the 15 year olds come and then he gets kicked out <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, so the few of us that like, and we would do these things called, uh, I forgot what they were called, but it was basically like, like the pacer test. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the pacer test. They would, okay, how many pushups can you do in a set amount of time? How many sit-ups? How many pull-ups? You know, mm-hmm. how fast is your mile? And I remember then, like, I remember on the wrestling team, I was always the slowest one, like with running, because I just, I'm not a runner, but I could run distance. So like, I could be like, oh, I'll run two miles. It'll take me like 30 minutes to run two miles, but I'll do it and I'll be fine. But like in wrestling, we'd be like, all right, I need you to do that mile in two minutes. Like, what? <laughs> that was sprint. the worst. People don't understand how shitty wrestling practices oh, are. I remember I would get into arguments with my friends. They'd be like, oh, this sport's so hard. I'm like, what'd you guys have to do today? And they'd be like, oh, we just we just did some laps around the gym. Like, and then your practice is over. And they were like, yeah. I'm like, dude, that was like the warm up to the warm up. 
That's what we did to prepare us well, for what we're going to do. Yeah, when it was too cold outside, we would run in that ox gym yeah. and just circles for... But, but there'd be like 40 of us. Yes. There'd be 40 of us, so the heat would pick up. And then Coach Abrams would sit there and be like, hmm, crank the, crank the temperature on Oh my on God, that. yeah. No, no, no. That wrestling room, because for those of you who don't know, you have to maintain your weight. Yeah. So like, you have... And there's no nutrition taught to you in wrestling, which no, is no. horrible, right? I want you to lose 20 pounds, but I don't want you to know how to do it. I'm just going to work your ass to death and then pray to God the weight comes off. Also, also, if you get like in trouble or like you have to go to the doctor, I'm not responsible for it. No, of course not. Of course not. That's why you had health insurance, son. That's why you signed those papers. So we're not liable. (laughs) But so they would crank up the heat in the resting room. You have to maintain your weight. So you're not drinking like I mean, some people had to drink crazy amounts of water because you sweat like nuts but i never of, drink water during practice and people looked at me like i was a crackhead well a lot of people would want to be making weight at the end so they didn't want to have to this would be like two months before your first tournament like, i didn't make weight oh no all right i'm not doing good enough gosh weight cutting's a science and it's a science and they don't they, like literally when i was in wrestling in high school it's just a guessing game like oh yeah seriously. oh yeah i remember i remember one of the the meat against rancho that we had one where homeboy just like dropped his his bridges and was like yo i'm here to weigh in so with that i remember that day all i had was a sandwich for lunch just one sandwich and the morning before i was eight pounds basically in in between the lower weight class and the weight class i was gonna wrestle at so it's fine i eat that sandwich i get to the weight room i'm three pounds over and i had used the bathroom at this point and i was like how am i three pounds over from one sandwich one sandwich maybe my metabolism was like no nah, we holding on to all that that's nuts so i had to i remember i had to like you remember those i still have it i'm supposed to give it back but i never did but uh the the first hoodies we ever got like the like the crew necks the just like the, sweater right like the but they were like plasticky well, no, no, no. It, was, it was just a straight up sweater okay but it okay was the og ones that just said cheyenne wrestling on it yeah i still have that and it's funny because back then i was like i was wearing mediums and it was an xl now i'm like oh this is perfect it fits me great <laughs> this is this is lovely so i remember i had to wear that and the sweats that we had and i had to do sprints in the auxiliary gym that match i lost because i was so exhausted from just trying to make weight yes. and i was like oh my god yes because uh, there's that battle to make weight and like and we'll we'll go into it so a weight cut for me i was at in high school what, i was what around year? what year because i went up, i was year. a different weight class each year this was sophomore year, and okay. I I had wrestled 182 the year previous, and I was already at like one. Jeez, I was hovering around like 190, so I had to make the choice. I'm like, do I cut eight pounds, which in in like reality now and knowing everything I know would have been easy. Oh, now it's yeah. just a little bit of discipline. I don't do it, but I should. But knowing, I know how. Knowing when to eat, you know, knowing how much I sweat during a practice. Like, I would have been a lot more methodical with it. But back then, I was like, oh, fuck, I don't want to lose eight pounds. So I was like, I'll just wrestle 195. <laughs> and boy, was that the wrong choice. Like, it's crazy the amount of difference in strength. I mean, I was just a sophomore. I was in, I was, I was getting, like, stronger, obviously. But I was no... There was no way I was going to compete yeah. with some of those fucking seniors See, that were just jacked. For me, like, so freshman year, just so everybody knows, I was wrestling like 126s, 120s, 120s. I was doing 120s freshman year. I was a tiny dude, but I was long. I'm tall. Like, I'm about 5'11". So for 120s, most of those guys, like, you remember Chase, the dude on varsity who was like this tall? Yes. Yeah. He was a beast. Yeah, he's, oh, he's still a beast. That's how tall most of my people would be. So I would just hold them out here. I would have all the reach advantage. So they could be strong all they want. But by the time they came in, I was already, like, had them wrapped up and flipped over but 
junior or senior, uh, excuse me, sophomore year, I went up to 126s and I was like, these dudes, like, they do push ups for breakfast. And then junior year. I, I, I don't want my Wheaties this morning. I'm just going to pump out 15. Yeah. Junior <laughs> year, that's when uh, that was the highest I wrestled at because I got an injury and I couldn't wrestle senior. But junior, I was 132s and I was like, these are like the Weenie Hut junior to like the cool club in SpongeBob. I was like, damn, these dudes are big. Remember, do you remember that school that was like up in the mountains for like the like the really badly behaved kids? Spring Mountain. Uh, yeah. Spring Mountain. I remember I had camp. to go up against one of those dudes and he came out and he was just like, what's up? And his, he was like Zavi, dude. But he was like, he was like almost a foot shorter than me. And I was like, Bro, I don't know. I like, I think I beat him on points. I just, I just kept like, all right, I just gotta, I gotta sprawl. I gotta get a takedown. I gotta sprawl. I gotta reversal. I just yeah, can't but, let him get me on the ground. I wish, I wish like I can go back because I, I stopped doing wrestling after sophomore year. Yeah. I believe you did the same, correct? No, junior. I did junior. Junior year. So I stopped after sophomore year, but it's because like I was so forced into wrestling. It was a sport I had never done before. And I, being a sports fan, dude, yeah. I had seen every sport in my entire life. And then I get to high school and then they're like, oh, here's wrestling. And you play football. Uh, you're going to wrestle. And like, so who forced it on you? The coaches or. So listen to this story. <laughs> At very first. Uh, it was like towards the end of the football season, freshman football season. I walk into the locker room to like get changed after practice. And then Coach Abrams, and for those of you guys to know what Coach Abrams looks like, he's just like about five foot ten, just absolutely chiseled and jacked old man. But with the flexibility of a stripper. Add that on to one. Like he didn't have the crimson chin. He had the crimson forehead. Oh this dude's forehead was the strongest forehead in America. He just headbutt you and you would just your face would cave in. So me, little like innocent freshman change in this man comes up to me, shakes my hand. Just the hardest it's ever been shaken before in my entire and life. Probably like that's probably like 20 percent power. It's not like wrestler's grip. Right. He's like, so you're going to wrestle, son. And I was like. Um, I've, I've thought of it, you know, I'll uh, I'll see you at practice on Monday. See, and I was the opposite. I was, like, I was oh, the opposite, yes, man. Because like so growing up, my dad, my dad wrestled in high school. It was yeah. super cool because actually I have a picture of his varsity hoodie next to mine. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Dude, this is sick. Growing up, he would always like put me in holds and shit. And I'd be like, stop it. I'm freaking out. I'm claustrophobic. I don't know what a to cradle? do. Would he cradle you? Oh, yeah, he cradled my me dad would cradle he the still fuck out of he me. He still tries to cradle me. <laughs> But now he can't because I weigh more than him. So I just overpower him. I'm like, nah, dog. I know what to do now. This, yes. this isn't how it's going to work. Yes. But like going like eighth grade. And you remember, I remember I got into a fight in eighth grade in PE. It was that like super short little scrawny white kid. No, there wasn't too many of those at Swainston. There was about <laughs> you and like four other ones. Yeah. <laughs> but me though, I had the long hair. This kid had the, had the blonde hair and he was short. I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. I'm Anyways, blanking. One time, him and I got into a fight, and I did like a really Diego. No, no, no. Oh, no, not tracksuit. Yeah, no, not tracksuit. Okay, okay, okay. No, this kid was like, like this thin. Yeah, no, I'm lost. <laughs> Go ahead, um, tell me how you whooped his ass. So, well, you were there. I'm surprised you don't remember because I did like a super shitty takedown. And Mr. Tomaso, who for people who don't know was our eighth grade teacher, he's also the varsity wrestling coach for Arborview. So he's the one who talked me into it because he saw me do it. He's like, "Hey, man, you got a good stance. It wasn't good. It wasn't like." A good takedown, but you had a good setup. He's like, I still got to send you to the deans, though. <laughs> he was like, that was good. You should think about wrestling in high school. I was like, oh, okay. And like when my yeah. dad did it, I was like, so when inter when they announced that intermeals were starting like that Friday, I was like, bro, I am going. I got the shittiest wrestling like like not even wrestling shoes, shittiest like running shoes I could find. And I was like, all right, we're gonna do this. 
from day one. I was like, Ooh, I'm tough now because I just took 12 takedowns to the ribs. Let's go. People like you, you got to understand too. It's like that, that it's all practice in oh, wrestling. Yeah. It's just nothing but repetition. And the only way to do it is to, to, you know, spar against another person. Spar and like, you, here's the thing. Cause I met uh, all three years because you were doing football. So you weren't really there for beginning intramurals, but that, those were horrible. But intramurals, intramurals were fun. Because we wouldn't really? do much. We would just, it would be like, all right, we're going to run, um, we're going to run four laps on the track. All right, do that. Do bleachers. Okay, we're going to come inside, do 50 push-ups, 50 sit-ups. You're done. That's that's practice for today. We would do that for like a month. So I was like, cool. And it, it's good. I would always suggest doing that because it ramps you into shape yes. for the season. Yes. Every year you get these kids that were like, yeah, Ray Mysterio, John Cena. They would come in and like do all these like jump fucking like slams and shit. And then they they have to run two laps and they're like, yeah. And they just, they can't hang. <laughs> yep. And then you see, you just see all these people drop off and you're like, all right, cool. Yep. Now it's just us. They realize it isn't captain Insano and <laughs> captain, captain Insano show no moist. Yeah. Like the, uh, it's, it's a completely different world. And like a uh, wrestling coach has got to like, obviously in high school, if kids haven't experienced what actual wrestling is like, they think that shit's real. Like oh, they yeah. think you're actually going in there and oh, yeah. doing you know, yeah. F-150s. <laughs> also, Suplexes. here's the thing. I had to explain this to a lot of kids. They're like, does wrestling hurt? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, why do we let us do it? I'm like, it's going to hurt. It's not, it's like football. If you're running back and you're going to run into a bunch of dudes, that shit's going to hurt. If you're going to catch a pass in midair, that shit's probably going to hurt. You're probably going to get fucking met on the ground. Like, it's going to hurt. The, you got to prepare for it. The best wrestlers, when they go into their match, the mentality it's not to win the match. It's to like hurt you in, in, in ways get ready to kill you. Like, see, I never did that. And I did pretty okay with, with matches. But what I saw like from people that were really intense mm -hmm. and like really focused on like, I gotta, I gotta, I, I'm not going to get my ass whipped. You know what I mean? So like yeah. I saw it out of a couple of people. I saw it out of uh Jojo, Elagio Schuler had it in him. Jojo, good old Jojo. Horrible at every other sport. Shout out to Jojo. But, wrestling was his shit you that's know that's because like a lot of people have that ego and pride thing like no i'm not about to let you body that's me it. on this shit and that's it it works mm -hmm. for me though i was like no i'm gonna outsmart this dude watch I, I was i was telling you i had those i had those foreign exchange students from from clark my my sophomore year and like i wrestled them back to back and like their coach was arguing with, with our coach about points and he was like bro e either way your guy is still two points down no matter like if you want to raise it fine. my dude still wins but the dude comes up to me because you're very good <laughs> I was like, thanks, but I, I always saw it as like a mentality of like, okay, what did I learn? How can I, it, for me, it was like, it was like a chess match. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I got to be, especially with varsity. Yeah. You want to a varsity match? You're not going to just brute strength somebody into Hell a hole no. because they'll just, they'll yeah. just worm right out of it. And you're like, where'd you go? Now I lost. That was 10 seconds. That's over. Bar JV. Oh yeah. Just run in there and just slam a dude. You'll, and that, that's another reason that people do that because they realize in JV, just slam a kid good enough they'll be like all right i'm done dude yeah they won't say i'm done dude but they'll, they'll just kind stop. of they'll kind of just start not fighting back as hard and they'll just end up on their back and yep. just like oh, the pin, yeah. see my favorite thing my pin. <laughs> i did this a lot my junior year is i would let dudes i would let them go for the and get the takedown but i would just use their momentum and roll them out of it and all of a sudden they're pinned that was my favorite thing which is let them shoot in all right cool you got the single i'm gonna wrap my leg around around your hip we're gonna roll I'm going to flip you on your back. I'm going to hold you there. That's it. 
And people would just be so thrown off by it. They'd be like, how did you do that? Like, it's just, takedown defense. Yeah, takedown defense. <laughs> my Grab favorite physics. My favorite move out of a, out of getting shot on is the the cow catcher. You know, people shoot in on your legs. You're able to get crank underneath their their neck and one arm, and then you flip them after already sprawling. That was probably like my most successful move. Other than you know, when you see a takedown, you sprawl. You hands on the shoulders, get your legs back. You know what I mean? And cross face, dude. Every time you got a cross face. Well, yeah. Cross of that's how aggressive cross face. You can't hit in wrestling. I remember my first match ever. First match ever, JV newcomers tournament. You were there. I remember mm-hmm. we were both there. And this kid like slapped my headband over my eyes. I was like, oh, this bitch. It's like, no, 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 no. I was like, we ain't, we ain't doing that. And what's funny is, if you remember, my ROTC instructor was there and poor dude. So he had a stepson who did like just did not like and he Dallas. Dallas, yeah. So his dad yep. was the was sergeant major of ROTC. Mm-hmm. I remember for my match, I just hear, hit him, kill him. I didn't even hear Coach Tank. I just heard the ROTC instructor just yelling at me. And I'm like, I don't even know what he's yelling, but I'm I'm fired up. Let's do this. Yeah. And then like I'm like, oh, it's our major Dallas wrestling. He's like, I'm gonna go get a hot dog. I'll be I'll be right back. I'm like, what? <laughs> All right, cool. But yeah, takedown defense is just it's it's crazy. It's it's like the most overlooked. People just want to learn how to how to shoot a double or shoot a single, which people always like shooting doubles, but like I always shoot. I, I always love just shooting singles because you can you can embarrass somebody with those. I always learn that you you look for if the double's there, you take the double. But if not, you get that one leg and you can. I always get the one leg because it's so it was so much easier for me to convert to on the ground with a, you can with a go single. from a double to a single though. Like you mean if, you go from a single to a double because you could you can get the one and then shoot back in get the other and flip them. I guess you go really either way from it. Because with the with the double, you already have them. You're already halfway into that yeah, twist into the mat. But if they're already, if if you go in for the double and you shoot right and you don't wrap up all the way and they sprawl, then you know whatever side you're on, you're naturally just gonna like grab that leg. I feel, and then you could work from there. But I also know that the single to the double. If you shoot it on a single, beautifully, it's almost it's almost like it, it's unfair. Guaranteed, yeah. If you shoot in perfectly on a single, it's easy to See, get that. I was disrespectful. Leg. Tell, I would get the single and just kick their foot out from under them, bounce. Yeah, do a little trip. Yeah, just not even trip. I straight up would soccer kick that shit out from under them. Bam, and just let them. Fun sport. Fun, Fun sport. sport. I miss it. I gotta. I, I was gonna do jujitsu before you know the plague happened, but here we are. So I did. I did it for like two years in high school, and it helped mm-hmm. a ton. But I learned it from like my friend who used to teach it. And then he, he was like, I just didn't have time anymore. He's like, I got a real job. And I was like, what? You can make bank teaching in jujitsu, like in like an actual studio and everything. But that like freshman to sophomore year, my game totally changed. Cause I was like, oh, I know how to like roll with people. Yeah. It's not just because wrestling. A lot of it is just like. Imagine like just two like steel or just like two rocks just grinding. Yeah. That's a lot of JV varsity is like like silk just flowing around each other mm-hmm. it's it's a lot of just like fluid movement movement and just countering Especially a counter to a counter lower weight classes too a lot more energy i can't keep up yeah they're, they're like you'd see uh those 106 matches and it would <laughs> just like be a, like two little flies just like <laughs> all of a sudden you just hear bing. you're like yeah, i didn't what? see what? what i didn't see what happened <laughs> you, remember, you remember big leo yes dude yes. i remember the first tournament ever worst drug dealer in all of Vegas. <laughs> I remember he got into a fight over a milk in high school. Yep. And but I remember the first tournament ever. Somebody comes back because Coach Tank couldn't be there for his match, and they come back. And he goes, "What happened to Leo?" And they go, "Dude, he got taken down." And Coach Tank goes, and "I agree with him." He goes, "If you could take him down, you deserve the win." 
because Leo was pushing what, over 300. Oh, easily pushing over 300. Yeah. And it was just like, oh my God, did you, did you just seriously take down Leo? Like, good job. Yeah. Like that's, that's wild. Hey, I'm going to put it on pause for a sec. And we're back. My, uh, my dog CC was, was whining and it was just annoying the absolute crap out of me and my headphones. So I was like, it's got it. Got to stop it. <laughs> but anyways, awesome. You have an illustrious music career. I mean, ever since I knew you back in, in middle school, you were uh, guitar savvy and you know, you're really well versed in, in everything music wise. What got you into music? So, uh, growing up, I was around music all like all my, so my mom did state choir for Nevada and she went to Europe and mm-hmm. performed. Um, my dad played drums when I was growing up and then my, his brother played guitar. That's what got me like, really I was like, huh? Guitar. So for my 10th birthday, I got just a really cheap Fender Squire, just like a hundred dollar guitar. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever got. So to pair it, my grandmother got me private lessons with this guy. She worked at the DMV with who offered private lessons. Uh, too long didn't read just for people who are going to be like, what? Um, I took lessons from that guy for 10 years and he didn't read. No, no, no. It's just, it's just called too long. Didn't read like just to oh. sum it up. Oh. Yeah. No, dude, he didn't read, bro. He didn't know how to see. He didn't know how to hear. Like he, he didn't even know I was there. blind master. <laughs> I just, I just watched. <laughs> uh, okay. No, so go ahead. so I, I took lessons from him for 10 years. So the way it started was I did guitar class sixth and eighth grade, seventh grade. I was like, I'm going to do the morning announcement. Worst thing ever. I didn't learn anything. I learned how to use like movie maker and that was about it. I was desperate to be in a band so bad from the day I picked up a guitar. I didn't even know how to play like a note. I was like, blink, 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 blink. And I was like, this sounds like garbage. But I was like, I'm going to be in a band one day. I'm going to do it. The first band I was ever in was right after eighth grade. I joined this uh, band that my friend had had. I guess first band that ever played a show. I was in bands like in seventh and eighth grade. There were like metal bands. And I was like, this is cool. We never mm-hmm. played any shows. We recorded some music, but nothing really. Eighth grade, I joined this band, and they're like, yo, we have a show at Palace Station. And I was like, the casino? And they're like, yeah, it's in a bar. And I'm like, I'm 14, dog. <laughs> sure enough, there I am playing. And it was it was such a, like, an amazing experience. And, and that wasn't the first time I ever performed. I performed like in middle school shows. And then, excuse me, the, the guy I took lessons from eventually opened up a music slash dance school with his wife who was a dance teacher mm-hmm. and they would have these things every year called recitals and they would have music they would have us play music and then they would have the people dance not, not usually not together but they yeah. would like they'd be like hey we're gonna have you learn these songs and we're gonna we're gonna perform them I'm like mm-hmm. okay so i did that and then it kind of really opened up like performing to me and i was like performing is fun if you can like if you can manage the butterflies and up until my very last performance which was a little a little over two years ago, I would get butterflies for every show. Every single show. So all throughout middle school took lessons. I took lessons up until I was like I think 18, 19, about 20. Took lessons and played played that show at Palace Station. It was great. So then that band was like, yeah, we're not working out. So the same bass player had another band. She's like, hey, originally she was like, hey, I need you to fill in for this band because the guitar player we have just isn't isn't cutting it. I was mm-hmm. like, okay. So I played their first ever shows. I played, I think, two or three shows with them. Learned all, learned all the material like it was nothing. Played it all. Played a couple shows. And like, they're like, it's funny because I got jealous because they're like, we're going to find another guitar player. So the theme they had was an all-girl band. And they just had me because they knew I could play the parts. Yeah. And they were like, we're going to find a, a girl guitar player. And I was like, 
okay. And at the time I had a metal band and Were I was you like, like, I can wear a wig. I, I think we joked around I about can, that. I can dress drag for this band. Well, the, the, the funny thing was, <laughs> is the singer was saying that she was like, we're just going to wear a wig. But they wanted to have an all girl band. And I get it because the message that they were sending. And I was like, I, I'm cool. I'm with that. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. They paid me, of course, for the shows. I was like, I love the opportunity that I had to play these shows because I haven't played a show. And like at that point, because this is at the end of my freshman year, so it had been at least over a year since I played a show. Mm-hmm. Played a show with them, played a couple shows. And then they were they had me come in and basically interview these guitarists for them. So I would teach them the parts, see how well they played it. And I'd be like, I don't know if they'll be a good fit with the way that when you play an instrument, your, your soul goes into it. You have all these quirks and these imperfections that make it perfect. You can go look at, you know, Metallica's guitar player and then go look at Red Hot Chili Peppers guitar player. And they're two separate people. They're going to play guitar totally different. They might have the same fundamentals and like, okay, yeah, this is a chord. This is a note. This is all this, but the, they'll put their own flair into it. Mm -hmm. So these people, I was like, I don't know if their flair is going to mend well with your sound. And it got to the point where I was getting kind of jealous because I'm a very jealous person. And I was like, I really want to be in this band. Like, I want to do it. Yeah. And they were like, well, the only thing is like, we want an all girl band. And I was like, okay, I get it. But if you guys ever change your mind, I want to do it. Like a week later, they were like, all right, you're in the band. (laughs) We think it'll work with one guy, the rest of us, all girls. I was like, okay, let's do it. I ended up being with that band till about a year after my senior year. And we did a lot. We toured. We played. We played big shows. We played really big shows here in Vegas. We played festivals. Uh, there was a festival. You want to list be- a couple just so the yeah, yeah yeah. So there's a festival that's here every was here every year called Extreme Thing. There's a there's a battle of the bands that they call it. But it's battle of the fans because the way you win it is just like how any president wins their election. You got to get the most votes. Yeah. We won that twice. We won that technically twice in a row. But there was 2014. They took a break in 2015. Then they did 2016. So we played 2014, 2016. We did those. I played. House of Blues. I've played um, vinyl inside the Hard Rock. I've played Hard Rock live on the Strip, and then a bunch of other decently sized venues around town. I've played uh, across the United States, not necessarily with that band, but with other groups. I've I filled in on some tours for some other bands and played with them. But it was it was really cool watching like myself grow in that like that whole world, that industry, because it was like I'm 16 playing in a bar. People, you know, respect me here. Yes. It wasn't like I was like disrespected at school or anything, but at school, I was just kind of like there. I was like, I'm just here because I have to be. Yeah. You were doing at like, I I bet in your mind, like, okay, you're going with a flow. This is normal, but you have to look at it. Like you're so far advanced. People in 16 uh, or that are 16 in high school aren't fucking thinking about, you know, going and wanting to pursue something on their own. So you, you, I mean, that's probably what that separation was, you know, like you felt connected to everybody in there, but at the same time, you knew like you're probably hanging out with a lot of older people too. Oh yeah. Um, I was the youngest one in the band. Everybody was out of high school. Mm-hmm. Most of them were actually old enough to be in the bar while I wasn't, um, which is fine. I, I hang out with a lot of older people anyways, but the crazy thing was, is I was <laughs> Monday through Friday, I'd be in these classes with like these, these losers who were just like, I don't know. I'm probably going to go work like construction, which nothing against construction. Construction is actually a really good job to have. It pays yes. really well. You bust your ass, but you, bust your ass, but you, you get paid. You get paid. Yes. You get paid. Um, a bunch of people that were like, I don't know. I'm going to work like McDonald's for the rest of my life. Just not have any ambitions. And here I was like that weekend. I was going to go meet with label representatives and like executives. And, and I, and I really happened and we almost got signed. Um, we almost got signed to uh, Red Bull records. Um, Who does Red Bull like? Do you know? Is a- there people that? Yeah. So AWOL Nation, oh, uh, the wow. sale guy. Yeah. Yeah. So that's their biggest artist on there. Uh, they have, I think they have like Beartooth, which is a metal band. I think he's on Red Bull. Um, 
but the AR guy, so the, the relations guy, there's this thing every year called the uh, Vegas Music Summit, and it's still every year as long as there's not a plague. Check check your local plagues before looking at it. Uh, it's here in Vegas, and it's put on by the head promoter, like one of the head promoters in Vegas. He's the one who does like all these big festivals and all that, and he brings in all these industry professionals. They literally tell you how to like, hey, here's what we look for. And if you go there and you don't take advantage of it, you're an idiot. We would yeah. go in there with what we would call, we would have business cards, but CDs are out now. You don't hand a CD to a, to a label, be like, listen Absolutely. to this. And they're like, I don't know what the hell is this. No, give me your Spotify link. I'm going to Bluetooth it in my phone. Mm -hmm. that, that's, that's what they would do. So we would have a Spotify link on there. And we'd be like, hey, here's my band. Here's all our socials on this card. Here's our email and here's a song. Check it out. Mm -hmm. And you'd be surprised how far that can take you. So it was crazy being 16, 17. And in senior year, I was 18 because I started late. Being in all these situations and you go to high school and all these people are like, yeah, I'm going to go like play Call of Duty after school. And I mean, I still did that. But but you're like, man, I'm going to go play a show in front of like 200 people this weekend. Yeah. So it was, it was very it was very surreal. Now I'm looking back on it. I'm like, man, no, yeah, crazy. It's, and I mean, I, I imagine it happened. So what I wanted to talk to you about before, like getting into the later on part of the career, mm -hmm. how pivotal is our lessons? Like, can people freestyle learn it? Or is it like, if you want to take this serious, you need lessons? Yes and yes. So there are people who are, who are famous. I don't remember right off the top of my head. There's people that are huge that are self-taught. Mm -hmm. um, Bill Kelleher from Macedon is one. I, I don't remember ever hearing about him really taking lessons, but he's made it. He's a really good guitar player. Lessons helped me so much because it, I'm very undisciplined, but it gave me focus and direction. It was like, hey, we're going to start here. You're going to, you know, master these fundamentals and then we're going to slowly work our way in. Another thing I did in high school was jazz band. And for people who aren't, you know, extremely musically savvy, jazz is probably the hardest genre you could learn because you have to know so much music theory and music theory is literally like learning a new language. It's its, its own specific like oh, yeah, language of beats, right? And rhythm. Well, it's notes. So you know, the staff, you have to read it. They're individual notes. You have to read it. There's, there's time signatures. There's keys. There's rhythms there's chords and i never got good at it but there's a ton of great musicians out there that i went to cheyenne with that were really good that were good at sight reading so part of it is, is you slap a piece of music in front of you go okay read this we're gonna play it right now you gotta play it up to speed up to tempo perfectly i could i couldn't get it i could learn a piece if you put a piece of paper in front of me with music on it and you go hey i need you to learn this by next week i'd have it down perfect mm -hmm. but like all right set in front of me one two three four no you lost me i can't i can't my brain doesn't work like that but Lessons for me, um, it was really nice because I could voice my frustrations and be like, hey, I learned this. I feel like I'm plateauing. What can I work on now? And I still I still talk to this guy on the daily. I'm actually going to start. Um, we're actually going to start up a, a jazz guitar duo once things open back up. and We can actually play just to make some side income. But we're like, I still talk to him on the daily and I'll be like, hey, I'm plateauing. Like, what what can I work on? You know, that would it would really help me or like I'm trying to learn. Like, for example, I'm still trying to master jazz i'm never going to master it but i'm still trying to like learn a lot of it and so i'll go to him and be like hey i'm really having you know i'm really struggling with this and when i was taking lessons i could bring that into my lesson my lessons were very nice because excuse me towards the middle i want to say when i got to be about 14 15 mm -hmm. it switched from hey here's what i'm going to teach you to go okay what do you need help with what what do you want to learn and i'd be like hey um i want to be better at improv i want to be better at voicings how can i learn how to do different voicings up the up the fretboard and it would just it would really help me you know 
because I wouldn't know. It's it's kind of like, yeah. you know, you got to go search for three hours when this dude knows exactly what to yes. tell me right off the bat. So I yes. could take three hours of Internet searching, turn it into a 20 minutes of my hour long lesson. Yes. And then I could fo- jump to something else. So. In my case, I would recommend getting lessons and I've given lessons. Um, I still give lessons occasionally, but I would always recommend getting lessons. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. Um, and it, uh, yeah, that explains it perfectly because you can't jump into something like that i feel it just make you frustrated as hell oh yeah and there's if you if you ever look up like watch guitar videos like people playing guitar there's always youtube ads that go hey do you want to learn how to play guitar people are teaching you wrong and this is how and it's like okay so you and they, they apply this one fit model to everybody and they mm-hmm. want to use that so yeah i feel like if you try to jump in with no direction and you can you can jump in and, and learn and be self-taught and still be great mm-hmm. there's there's nothing stopping you it's just I feel there's more barriers to entry. Yeah, I feel they probably the time to oh, yeah. success rate. It's probably taking yeah, a lot of time. I've been playing guitar over ten years. Granted, like if I go and like I want to learn something advanced, I usually already know it. But that's because I, I had the the privilege of being able to be uh you know have less private lessons because mm-hmm. I've seen I did group lessons and I didn't learn anything because I I needed like direct attention. Be like, hey, I want to work on this. I don't care what they want to work on. I want to work on this. Yeah. Help me with this. Yes. So I feel like, yeah, lessons, just, just take lessons, kids. No, for sure. For <laughs> sure. So you said that you were just bouncing from band to band getting picked up. Like, how does that whole thing work out? Like, do bands see you perform from another band and we're like, hey, if we need to fill in, like. Yes. So I didn't really do that toward till, until really like after I left the band that I was in. That band I was in for five years. The girl band. Correct? Yeah. So it was called Irie. I was in that band mm-hmm. for a long time. Um. You make connections, whether you want to or not. You're going to make connections because you, you, there's these like local circuits that you'll play, and you'll start playing with the same bands over and over again. And you'll start, you'll be like, "Hey, how's it going?" You'll make friends, and then later on the line, you'll have people be like, "Hey, I need a guitar player. Can you, you know, help me with this, or can you record this track?" And you'll be like, "Yeah." A lot of the bands that I would cover for though, like Phil and Four, were actually from California. They were a lot of like touring metal bands, and they'd be like, "Hey, so and so says they know you." Um, do you think you could learn these parts and come do like a week long tour with us? Be like, yeah, okay, I'll I'll come do it, mm-hmm. no problem. But so, what places would you would the, all those like shows be in California? Sometimes, yeah, a lot of them would be like up and down the coast. Okay, um, and then some of them would be like, hey, we're gonna play a show in Arizona, we're gonna play a show in Nevada, and then we're gonna play like two shows in California. Okay, cool. So it, it's it, it depends. It depends on how you how you how they book the tour because I wouldn't help them with that. that yeah, be, I mean. I wasn't getting paid to do that. I'm not going to book a tour for somebody unless I'm getting paid. For sure. For sure. So that leads into, you know, you did a lot of like promoting too. And Mm -hmm. we talked about this the last time uh, that you came here because it completely blew my mind. You promoted how many shows? So in total by myself that I actually ran, I did three. I did three full production concerts. You know, Mm -hmm. hey, I have six bands coming up. I have all these people coming in. Here's how it's going to run. I put the whole thing together myself. I did three of those, but I helped, um, with countless amounts. So I actually worked for, uh, there's a, there's a, a organization called expose here in Nevada and they're about smoke free. Mm-hmm. And, um, I knew them because I, we played shows for them before. So I knew them and the top promoter that I was telling you about that puts all these, ven- the big events together, all the big festivals, uh, we played shows for him. And I knew him. I, that's who I actually started working for was him. Mm-hmm. I would start, you know, showing up and helping do doors for shows or like, you know, oh, hey, I'm going to I'm going to help run the exposed booth for a festival. So is that like the intro to it all? Like, oh, yeah. 
you you got to work the doors. You got to well, learn. Well, you don't have to. It but helps. you have to learn the ins and outs oh, of yeah. everything because that goes along with fast, it. You'll lose money. Like I don't even claim to be even somewhat of like an expert at it by far. Mm-hmm. I only did three shows. I had people help me along the way. I mean, could could I book a show right now and put it together? Yeah, I could do that. But there's so much like bigger bands. Like so, for example, uh, the last show I did was a big touring a big touring band they were two big youtubers one of them still just huge on youtube they had their band they were coming in with another band and they're like hey we want to come to vegas we have this open date can you book us and what's your guarantee mm-hmm. so guarantee was like okay no matter how the show does i'm going to guarantee you this ma- this much amount of money mm-hmm. now i was an idiot and i guaranteed them 900 dollars, which is a lot for two bands of that size mm-hmm. and the way i ran it was i would have six locals I would have them sell tickets and then I would pay them $2 per ticket after 10 tickets that they sold. Mm-hmm. So the way I would do this, be like, okay, I know I'm getting at least $600 to pay the venue. Everything else I can use to just pay the band mm-hmm. and my, my costs. Like you have to have security. You have to, because as a promoter, I would be more of like stage managing in a way I'd be checking in with the headliner, making sure they're taking care of making, you know, checking in with the other touring act. Be like, Hey, you guys need anything? I'd be running back and forth to the sound guy. being like, Hey, is there anything I can help with? You have everything set up. And then I'd basically just be like being like, you know, like a chaperone. Like, all right, sure. hold my hand. You're going sure. up next. Get your gear up on stage. But yeah, uh, I think if you like work your way up, it's it's really rewarding because you get to see how it works. Like I didn't go straight into promoting. I did, you know, I worked, you know, tables for expos at festivals and at shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I got to be in there and understand, okay, you know, people like this. They don't like this stuff like that but promoting was awesome i would still do it but the venue that i used which was affordable doesn't do shows anymore so it's kind of like i'm not going to pay that much money for a small venue Mm -hmm. no i can i can only imagine uh the amount of stress that 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 puts on you because it seems like like i i struggled to to get friends to come over to my house let alone get bands money paying people (laughs) like how old were you when you were doing all that Uh, i was in a i was on my own i was 1920 at this point um yeah so that's another thing being in a band got me all these contacts i knew all these bands mm-hmm. i knew bands of different genres i could be like hey i got you know like the first two shows i did were local showcases so i took a bunch of local bands and i was like any genre and i was like i'll just throw them together because i want to start bumping up the local scene what that does is get people it gets people to go to shows so when you get these national acts you have people to come to these shows yes so yes. the way i would do it be like hey five dollar tickets and i'm gonna pay you guys two dollars still so i'm gonna give you guys a higher percentage per ticket just sell five because now i just really have to pay um the venue and actually the the way i did it was actually guaranteed each band a hundred dollars i was like i'll give you a hundred dollars just to show up and play as long as you sell five tickets yep just show up and play anything you and this is another thing i would do is anything you sell of your merch i, I don't take a cut of that's yours you keep that that was another that was a cool thing i've only been to one of those it was a it was a metal show out mm-hmm. there in the eagle yeah eagle area hall yeah yes and it, it was a, what an amazing experience because <laughs> like bro like it's like you ne- i never knew that that stuff existed oh, yeah. i was doing that stuff like freshman year of high school and it be, well first off because it's it's not everybody's cup of tea in no, music it's not. but i i see i'm seriously encouraging everyone go and check those things out i mean you're seeing people that are you know they work normal day-to-day jobs <laughs> people that are like i work the, at papa john's during the day and here i am just you know just shredding on a guitar and at the end of the day you know they just they're able to to go out there and let loose and it's awesome to see oh yeah it's awesome 
I and then they they're selling their merch. Some of these people have some sick ass merch. Some sick merch, and it's like, oh, twenty bucks for that shirt? Yeah, give me that shirt. I <laughs> oh, want definitely, that. Definitely, definitely, man. Yeah, I've I have so many local bands. I gotta start buying more. I gotta buy more local bands shirts because I'm like that looks sick. Also, it supports them. Yeah, it, it really like a twenty dollars shirt. Like for us, we would take our money when I was in Irie. We'd take our money and turn that right around into recording because recording's expensive as hell. Go to, into that because so so we would actually record at CSN because they have a full studio. Okay. At the Cheyenne campus. And the guy there actually did like early stuff for Imagine Dragons and all that. Um, it was expensive. I think we were paying like, I want to say like 30 or 40 an hour. And wow. we would do like eight. The first day we ever did it, we recorded three songs and we were there 12 hours. Yeah. Wow. That wasn't including mixing and mastering. Now, mixing and mastering can be probably some of the dullest moments ever. And you probably know from editing a podcast, you're sitting there with music. You could be sitting there hearing the same one little like millisecond of music hundred times just to hear huh did my did, you know did my eq work right here do i need to adjust something oh do i need to reamp these guitars oh is the drum are the drums actually in time here so it's it's very like tedious monotonous right? and you guys in the band do that all yourselves or did you guys have like a oh, sound so, so engineer the, the, professor, they per- the professor at csn did this all towards the end we started doing it ourselves because mm-hmm. uh, our basis was actually the reason why we got into there is she was taking the course it was, oh, a, it was awesome. a recording course mm-hmm. so she learned how to do it i learned it just watching that and just doing it on my own that's why i'm i do podcasts podcast producing and editing now is because i'm like Mm. editing voices is nowhere near as hard as editing and mixing you know guitars bass drums and vocals and making it sound coherent yes as like two like us right now two voices that's just 10 minutes for me no seriously like and after you showed me the podcast voice preset it's like oh yeah and that's just one little thing you know you gotta go in there you gotta you gotta tweak some things but recording music though it's it's the cool like right now i'm doing like my own solo material and that's like years away from being released but that's that stuff is like such a grind but it's like such a rewarding grind because you see this creation of yours that you started from just like hey i played this song in my bedroom now i'm going to record it oh i'm hearing it come to life and for me i like to write in layers it's really bad because my computer hates me for it because it can only handle so much but i'm like nah we're adding another synth here yeah and then another guitar here oh two more synths yeah we can do it let's do it but i like to write in layers because i like to re- create these really cinematic complex you know pieces yeah, of, of music. musical pieces and it's just like seeing that come from your bedroom to just like one little guitar riff to now this fully fleshed out song is like that's really cool and like going back to like what you're saying about going to those shows local bands work really hard they work really hard i know from experience but i also know from you know my friends that i have in the scene that tell me and they're like yeah man we you know, we worked on that song for like three months before we even played it at a show live. We played six shows before we even played that song. And I was like, that song sounded great, though. Yeah, it's a great sounding song. Um, I had my buddy uh, who was in the band that we went to go see. He mm-hmm. was telling me um, they had just it was like a month before uh, the show. Mm-hmm. They were told that they were going to get like an extra 10 minutes or something. Oh, yeah. That can be a game changer because that's like two songs. Yes. So like they had already had one that was like almost finished. So it was like perfect. But then they had to like crank one out. And oh, yeah. it ended up being one of like just an amazing song. Oh, yeah. And it was so like, you can sometimes create diamonds. Out. Well, I mean, diamonds do come from pressure. But like mm-hmm. we had a we had a song that we wrote as a joke. We were like, we were OK, I'm going to be real. We were we were assholes and jerks in the scene when I was growing up. And I was looking at it back, back on it now i should have been way more humble mm-hmm. about it way more i think it's just i'm 16 years old playing with these 20 year olds where yes. some 30 and 40 year olds are just now breaking into yeah so it was a lot of ego for me but 
one of our songs was just like making fun of like these shoegaze bands in the scene and it's just like all these people show up and it's like this is boring now i'm like i love it but we wrote a song like that it's a very indie song and it ended up being like super popular and we're like what no we <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen yeah no, it was <laughs> just supposed to be a joke now we're becoming one but like, those people work really hard and changing a set on somebody can that can it, you can make it break you because oh, yeah. i i can dude that's so normally you start with like a 15 to 20 minute set yeah three songs you talk a little bit we're done towards the end of like what when i was doing we we're doing like at least 30 to 40 minute sets so we would play like seven or eight songs crazy it would get to the point where you'd have to have a setless paper they'd be like what song comes oh this one all right cool wow i, I know what i'm doing <laughs> now just, yeah and if you look at big at like big bands they have that yeah because they're playing like 15 20 songs you're like i gotta remember all this no definitely yeah, and like we would have i remember one of the best shows we ever played was for this band slaves uh which was they had a singer a very popular singer from another very popular band they brought him into this band it was like their first year ever and we co-headlined with them at the show and the dude was like yeah you guys got like hour long set and we're like an hour like at that point we were playing like 25 30 minute sets and we're like we just doubled our set time i mean granted we were good at selling tickets so we the way it works in vegas is you have to sell tickets to play shows so if you sell a good amount of tickets they'll put you up on high spots or with yes. good bands because as a promoter i want to make money hell yeah i want to profit i don't want to lose money so i'm going to put people i know can sell tickets and push tickets i'm going to bring them into my shows so we went from playing 25 30 minutes to an hour now and we're like dear god what are we going to do we had to like bust out some oldies like some ones that were like i haven't played this song since like the first week i met you guys yeah now i gotta relearn it that's crazy yeah that's crazy okay so we and i obviously i'm gonna have you on again to talk more about this music <laughs> stuff because it, it's truly interesting and i've i've talked to a lot of people it, it's more of i it's two people that do rap music on mm -hmm. soundcloud one of them's a singer and the other one one of them's like his own everything. Like yeah. he's and nowadays writer, it, it's singer, beneficial to be that because engineer, everything. you can get screwed by labels if you don't know how to do your own stuff. Yeah, which is why we started eventually being like, all right, we're gonna learn how to record ourselves because we're tired of paying. It sounded good, but we're like, man, I'm tired of paying forty dollars an hour to mm -hmm. a dude who, granted, did a good job. But I was like, man, we could just save that money by good equipment, learn how to do it ourselves, and put out the same type of material. For so sure. I, I get it. Yeah, you got to do your own thing. So yeah, and that's that's why I plan on in the future I, I i'm still you know this podcast stuff for me is just i do it it's it's amazing how easy it is just to just to record oh, yeah. conversations with people man and uh i can't wait till i can start having some more people come in the studio and stuff like this, this is yeah. first ever in-person interview i've ever done on on your show on yeah. my show because on the on the on our show we've this every and almost every yep. episode has been here that's and so that's what I'm transitioning to now is our podcast, lukewarm cinema podcast. It, it's crazy how it all came apart. We or it came came about because I had just started mine, my podcast, and then you'd you'd message me and you said, "Wow, man, like so happy for you. You're doing yeah, this. It was cool." And 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 you were like, uh, you'd mentioned the podcast that you did with Chris, uh, the other person who joins our podcast yeah. with us, and how you guys had already done a podcast and how you're thinking about starting up another one. Mm -hmm. Like what? sparked the idea so uh a while back ago i was working for a company called western states i was basically doing southwest gases work but as a contractor so i was in a car all day by myself so i would i was like i'm gonna give podcasts a try never give them a try started listening to them one of them was a uh, magic our way which is a disney podcast and they're some of my best friends now great show and i was like i want to do this this is fun like just picking a topic you enjoy and just talking about it coming up with like like, for example, we have one where we were like, we're going to 
talk about our five favorite movies or we're going to review a movie or like the most recent episode we have is is oh we're going to interview people in the industry like that stuff is cool so i was like i want to do that so originally i talked to christian because christian and i have been friends since second second grade grade. yep so him and i go way back longer back than you and i do Mm -hmm. and i mean we all went to middle school together we all know each other from there but I was like, hey, man, do you want to originally I was like, you want to do a video game podcast? And he was like, yeah, I was like, all right, let's do it. So we did it. And then eventually I got the job that I have now. And now I can't talk about video games. So I was like, all right, I got to cut that one. But I was like, I want to do a podcast, got permission from my job. And I was like, all right, let's do one about movies because I enjoy watching movies. Mm-hmm. Movies are easy to talk about. You can have and like with the interview, you can have cool people. I know people in the industry. I can have them come on and talk and it, it'll be entertaining content. So I was like, let's let's do it again. but. I learned a lot from the first podcast to this podcast. I learned mm-hmm. how to like proper equipment, proper the recording device that we're now using right now. Yeah, because originally I was plugging into my laptop with two USB mics that would come out as one track and I couldn't edit it. So it was just like mic bleed. Yeah, that's all it is. It's just mic bleed. Yes. Yes. I and I mean, I'm learning the the ropes of that stuff now, man. It's a lot of growing pains for people oh, yeah. starting it up. Like you got to know that and you, I do say it's easy because I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not putting together just this cinematography. No, masterpiece. You're, not, you're not doing lighting or effects or yeah, anything like that. It is a GD conversation and just adjusting the, the levels yeah, of but volume. You go but, listen to like Joe Rogan's podcast mm-hmm. where he has a microphone that's $500 a piece. Yep. And then you go listen to like, like for example, ours, where, I mean, we have good microphones. They're what? 50 bucks a piece. Yes. Offer up 50 bucks. Yeah. F- offer up is the, is, is the bees is knees. The move. That's yep. the move. You go and listen to the difference and you're like, man, I don't, it doesn't sound like that, but you also got to think, Jamie, pull that up. You got Jamie over there who's actually a really good editor. A sound engineer. Yeah. He's a sound engineer. Yep. Yeah. So like having that knowledge goes a long way in the podcast industry. So I feel like knowing what I know about, you know, music recording, I could take that and and it worked pretty well for podcast editing. And I was like, huh. For sure. Podcast editing is not that hard. It wasn't that I was, I, I wasn't discouraged. I was low-key like hype as fuck when we did our first episode mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, this sounds real. Like this does not sound like my podcast at all. I was like, it sounds like, crisp. Money at it. And I was like, oh, sorry, bank account. Yeah. But I mean, it's worth it at the end of the day. I, and I'm happy that I'm beginning one of these recorders soon so I yeah. can, I can start using a microphone that's a little higher quality. Everyone thinks like that microphone right there is just whoa well it, it sounds good it's not the, terrible yeah it, it sounds good but these are industry standard yes. microphones yes this is what i would use on stage this is what i used to announce you know what yeah, i mean like, and it's like crisp through the the pa yeah at a at a in a in a gym it sounds so much nicer. yeah and the worst acoustics ever it still sounds good yes yeah but okay so getting back to the podcast <laughs> mm-hmm. uh you started listening you said like let's get into this you did one with chris and now we started doing this one mm-hmm. right here the lukewarm cinema podcast like what made you think movies i jumped i like literally yeah, when I you just, said movies i, I was like said, hey christian I started a podcast about movies you want to do you're like dude absolutely like you didn't even have to think about it you're just like yeah <laughs> you will i figure you know the best way to to learn about more about podcasting is you just gotta do yeah, it gotta you do gotta it. get into it um so the way i came up with movies is christian and i were having a debate about star wars because we hang out all the time i'll go pick him up because he doesn't drive but i pick him up because i love him he's my boy We'll pick him oh, up, man. bring him back to my house. Oh, we'll have Christ. some brews. We'll watch a movie, we'll have some pizza. And we were like debating and not like arguing. We were debating. We were like giving really valid points about Star Wars. I was like, dude, this is like an entire episode right here that we could have just done. I was like, I don't think I'll get in trouble with my job if I do movies. Sure enough, they were like, yeah, that's fine. So I was like, let's, let's do movies. There's 
so much out there. There's independent, there's blockbuster, there's huge, there's small, there's there's terrible films, there's great films, there's Jack and Jill, which is just its own thing <laughs> over there. And you and you can get a lot of people watch movies. Yes. Not everybody plays music. Yes. Everybody listens almost everybody listens to music. Mm. Almost everybody watches movies. If you watch a movie, you have an opinion. People take videos on their phones. People take world yeah. star. Yes. You know, Twitter is a thing. The world of video. And so I and that's why I loved it right off the bat, because it's simple. You know, we're not overcomplicating it. We can go anywhere with movies. Yeah. And like we we've done, like you said, the top five. Let, go listen to our first episode. Like, seriously, that gives us that gives you the best vibe. I was just like cursing like a sailor in that first one. <laughs> I really like after listening to it. I think this second this, this last podcast oh, it's did, definitely much more tame. I was I was like, I caught myself a couple of times when I was about to go in. <laughs> I was like, ah, mm, uh, darn it. Yeah. Ah, I mean, damn like, it. and like, we're not like. It's just like every other word for George was like, fuck him. It was like, hey, man, yeah, just chill a little bit. But you don't have to like cut out cussing. But yeah, I like I like the idea about movies, though, is because everybody watches them. Everybody has an opinion on them. You can get a lot of feedback on that. And I enjoy when I do podcasts, I don't do them to be famous. I do them because I like the even a small community of people that we can just discuss, you know, that topic. So like for us, movies, you know, I, you know, I'm getting emails from fans that are like, hey, why don't you ever talk about this one? Or, oh, hey. You know, I like this one, which, by the way, depending on when this episode airs, we have a we have an episode coming up where we need your help. Where we're trying to get the the top three villains from you guys. So we can put them into like a yes. like a NBA yes. or not even NBA, like a March a Madness bracket, bracket, a little bracket style, right? Yeah. So yes, you, like I, I and I'll post it. I'm, I'm thinking this one's gonna go up. Depending, it's a little late tonight. Cameron will be home soon, so <laughs> I gotta. Well, next episode, I'll, I'll I'm trying to get this done like Friday. before we record yes. this weekend. Yeah. If I get that Trump guy on Friday, it might be Saturday. <laughs> But, um, uh, do, 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 do. listen to our podcast. Yeah. As it's, simple as it's that. Fun. It's movies. And then listen it's to dope. still. It's dope. Movies are awesome. Yeah. And, and they're so like, like, I love me a good comedy movie. And this is just for people. If you've been debating whether to buy King of Staten Island, buy the GD movie. I did it. See, I heard it's not that good. I thought it was really good. Pete Davidson as an actor compared to a comedian is uh heard he's just bad all around bad mm. person bad comedian bad actor he's a niche bro he's a niche because i i'm a i love all comedy mm -hmm. like i know i really i really like i have a problem with it cameron's like this guy's not funny at all and i'm like but Cam, give him a chance here give him a chance every comedian has number seven but give him a chance every comedian has one or two jokes that'll bring down the house not all of like it's tough you look at all the comedian sets on netflix it's tough to put together an hour. Oh, yeah. Going back to the music. Going back to putting an hour yes. long set. You're like, what am I going to do? And that's something I'm dead. I'm definitely once comedy clubs open up again. I could do open mics. No. Yeah. Because I've already started like sketching up some ideas of like what I want to do. I can probably I feel like I could do five to ten minutes. No problem. Yeah. Just do open mics. That's what Joey Diaz did for like the longest time. Just go do open yes. mics. Yes. And then just come up with material. Get booked at a room. You know. Yeah, man. That's. It's, it's all part of the process, all part of the learning. I love that you you gave me the, the opportunity, though, bro. Like, yeah. seriously, it was when you'd said it at the time. It, I'm not even going to lie. I was like, holy shit. Like me and Austin haven't had much conversation yeah. since high school. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to jump into a podcast together. But it sounded like we'd been we'd been hanging out every single day since then. It just and that's what a lot of people like about the show is the three of us together because we we hung out a lot in middle school. I remember we did a project, too. We had to go to my house. Mm -hmm. and I remember like. 
we were playing like PS3 or something, and then we we like waited. So you guys stayed over like I think Friday night. Or no, it was it was a holiday weekend. So you guys came over Sunday, and, and then we, Monday yes. was the day that we were gonna like do we were gonna, the project, supposed right? to do it Sunday Monday. We didn't even start till Monday. Yeah, and Sunday we got, was like, a, a C out. on it. We were like, hey, we packed. Cool. It was the first time I ever used a box cutter. I'll never oh, forget that. Oh yeah. I remember we had to get. I don't remember the project exactly, it but was, we had to it build was for shit. Miss, uh, we had to build something. We had to build. It was like a. I want to say it was a Miss Turner. Seventh grade. I don't remember. All I remember is that we had to put together like like a little hut or something. Yeah. Out of like popsicle sticks. Yes. And you were like, bros, watch this. And you almost cut your finger off <laughs> trying to cut a popsicle stick. But yeah. So we go, we go like way back and it's just like right now we're talking organically. Like this yes. isn't scripted. We, we started off with Chick-fil-A French fry, our French fry top five. Literally. I mean, like we weren't even just snowballed into, into making weight, which you should not eat French fries if you're going to make weight. Got into your movie or near not your movie your music career mm -hmm. and how i mean obviously i want to have you back on again to, to talk more about that because it's really what i want to look back on in in five ten years is like we were informative you know what i mean yeah. had somebody listened to us now like you could have taken some good things whether it was the lessons yeah whether it was the you know putting yourself out there if you're in wrestling learning how to cut weight properly like Oh, you can learn all these things yeah. if you just listen. And I'm really excited to like keep doing this, dude. Look yeah, back well, and being like, whoa. Well, I feel like this show is really good at that because I've I've listened to almost every single episode. And every single episode is just you talking to somebody and it's almost like a life advice kind of thing. It's like, hey, I'm still alive. You want to be alive too? Yes. Do these things. I I, I like uh, my first couple, I feel really hit the point of like motivation. Oh, that was a that was a mic. Oh, okay. We'll finish with a black screen. We'll finish with a black screen. Fuck it. <laughs> I'll, 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 leave, I'll just like take that part where I left and we'll just insert that to the end. That's what <laughs> we'll no do. no audio. Yes. No, just this yes. audio over it. Yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please go listen to the Lukewarm Cinema Podcast. Follow us on, follow our like page on Facebook. We got Facebook. Uh, we got Instagram. Insta, we're on YouTube. YouTube. Spotify, iTunes for the show. Yes, I, that's my next jump is making that Spotify iTunes yeah, jump. And the, the thing a lot of people don't understand about podcasts, is you do have to have, you can go anchor, you can go SoundCloud, but if you want to, you know, actually be up there with the pros, you got to, you got to front some money. Yes. So like, for example, like that recorder was $300, like you got to, you got to front that. Mm -hmm. And then, but always, if you're going to use like, we use Libsyn for our, our distribution, like our hosting site for our show, you can find a code. I don't have to pay, make a payment on it till August. Legit, yeah. I have a, I Tell have a, the code. I have a code. I can, I can put punch in the code for you. Yes. Yeah, there's codes everywhere. Um, Perfect. You gotta have some money though. You gotta yeah. buy the microphones. Granted, if you're gonna do what George does, like if if you're just gonna have you, I, I seriously, guys, I have a webcam, and if I didn't even, I didn't need that microphone to be honest. I, I can do it all with your through. headset. Yes, easy. I mean, this is nice though. This is you well, need this, this is what stands out. Yes, most definitely. Make sure you guys keep following. Uh. This on my all my Instagram social media pages, uh, Facebook, Twitter, subscribe on YouTube. We're close to a hundred. Like I had a blast after saying I was gonna give out a hundred dollars. <laughs> once I hit a hundred subs, and we hit like we got I got like literally sixty subs in a day. Yeah, and then I just plateaued. I'm like at like seventy seven now. So guys, go subscribe. Hit, let's hit a hundred. Follow our podcast so I can get some free money. Yes. <laughs> Love listening to our voices. 
<laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Austin Alvarez. Deuces.